Welcome to the Bruin Shavers Sports Podcast, where for 30 minutes once a week, we talk about all the things that make us love sports, the games, the rivalries, and of course, the personalities. We are stoked that you're listening. Uh, we believe that you're more than listeners. Uh, to quote Brian Kelly, you're family, and we're glad that you're listening to us. And now, here's Ben and Darren. Well, hello there, all you Brew and Shaver Sports Podcast fans. We've missed you, and it's good to be <laughs> back with you. As as you can expect, I'm here with my co-host, Darren Shavers. It is August, which means it is horribly hot and humid in Louisiana. But this is the time when we don't complain about it because college football returns in August. It is amazing how much better that makes everything feel even the hot weather is not as bad when you're within 20 days of kickoff am i right (laughs) (laughs) absolutely and that means the conversations all the preseason predictions everything is heating up now everybody's got expectations and we're going to get into some different opinions out there about who some of our coaches in the country media think is going to be good and who's not going to be good and and we're going to we're going to break down some of that, but what we're going to start off by doing is talk about some games in the SEC that we are super excited about this year. Now, for those of you who listen and you're Big 12 fans, hang in with, there with us because right. next week we're going to do the same thing for the Big 12. And at some point, when all the money stuff can be worked out and OU and Texas come over to the SEC, we won't have to do two weeks of this. <laughs> But for now, that's what we're doing. Exactly. So, Darren, are you ready to talk some football? Let's talk some football. And I just got to say, once again, how exciting is it to be talking about football knowing that kickoff is this close? Talking about football in June, it's still football, but it's just not the same as when that calendar clicks over and it's August and you know you're this close to kickoff. It really does make a difference. makes everything more exciting. Yeah, there's two things that really brings it home for me. One is – seeing the the high school teams out practicing oh, on yeah. the fields. But the second thing is seeing the marching band out practicing I, as definitely, well. Definitely. And those things together, it just means football is back. You know, I remember being in college and being out with some buddies golfing, and, and there was a big high school. This was in, in Tennessee in Nashville. There was a big high school on the other side of the golf course, and it was that, that this time of the year when everything's starting to ramp up, and you could hear – the marching band practicing, and it just gave you chill bumps. It was like, oh, uh, yep, here we go. (laughs) It's time. It is time. So let's dive right into it with the games that we believe are the the games you need to make sure that you watch in the SEC this year. And we're going to start off, Darren, you've got two early games, September 3rd and September 4th, that you believe are must-watch games. Tell us about them. Well, the first one is is uh, right off the bat, September 3rd, week one. It, it's Georgia versus Oregon. And to be honest, for those of us that are big SEC fans, people outside of the SEC might even call us SEC homers. But nonetheless, for those of us that are big SEC fans, this almost feels like it shouldn't be um, that big of a matchup because Oregon has been through so much transition. But regardless of all the transition, Oregon is still, in the coaches' poll, poll that we'll talk about later, they're still listed as number 12. 
So you've got what is very, very close to a top 10 matchup right off the bat. Uh, and then when you add the uh, extra intrigue of Dan Lanning, who was the D coordinator at, at Georgia last year, now the head coach at Oregon. Uh, so there's that little bit of head coach versus uh, former protege. Obviously, it's not as big of a deal as, you know, when a Kirby Smart takes on Nick Saban in Alabama or anything. But still, you've still got that dynamic, which really adds a lot of intrigue. And then one of the things that's going to be really exciting to me uh, or interesting to me uh, about this this matchup is the quarterback. For Oregon, we still don't know who the starting quarterback is going to be, but one of the people in the quarterback room in contention is Bo Nix, who used to be at Auburn. And then you've got Stetson Bennett, the guy that just keeps going, that just keeps winning, that no matter how games, how many games he wins, nobody seems to believe him, which is pretty amazing. But still, that's the case. So that quarterback matchup, in addition to it being pretty close to a top ten matchup, it's it's you know the SEC stretching out playing a pack. And what are they, a Pac-6 team or whatever, now, however many teams are left, Pac-12. Pac but there's a whole lot of intrigue to me to this matchup. And so, to me, I think it's going to be super exciting, not only because it's week one, but to have that SEC Big 12. And, and you know, Oregon played quite the role last year. Uh, you know, in their first three weeks, they didn't – their season didn't end the way they wanted it to. But the first three weeks, they were right there in the mix and, and had some big wins and, and kind of a, adjusted everybody's sights on kind of what they were looking at because of their wins. So for me, that, that adds a little bit of an intrigue to this one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then my second one, LSU, Florida State, the next day. Uh, and this one is in New Orleans at the Superdome. So it's uh, – I'm, I'm using my air quotes. It's neutral field. <laughs> but, it, but it's in New Orleans. It's not going to be a neutral field. To me, the thing that makes me makes this a can't-miss game is, yes, Florida State is not a top-25 team, not a top-10 team. And honestly, for all we know, Florida State could be awful this year. You hope not for Mike Novell uh, and his staff. You hope that they start to take some steps forward, which is a possibility to me. It's really going to be that first opportunity. What does a Brian Kelly-led LSU team look like? Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. we know from everything that's coming in from, from fall camp that it's still going to be a Brian Kelly offense. You're going to have kind of that power eye look heavy on the, the running backs. Uh, it, it, you know, it's not going to be a fast pace, even though there has been some talk about speeding up the offense a little bit. But still, when you look at Brian Kelly offenses of the past, even if it's sped up a little bit, it, you know, it's not going to be Tennessee's offense. You know, it's not going to be this fast paced offense. But even with all of that, it's, it's really that first opportunity to see what's the offense going to look like? What's the defense going to look like? You know, how big of a deal is, is Kayshawn Boutte going to be? in a Brian Kelly offense. And I think he's going to be a big deal. It would stun me if he's not. But to me, that's kind of the questions that are out there. You know, Florida State brings a great defensive line or a good defensive line uh, to the table. 
You know, how much of a difference does that make with what we expect from a Ryan Kelly offense? So to me, those are a lot of factors just kind of all over the board that make this a must-watch game, especially if you're an LSU fan, but just in general, if you're an SEC fan. I I think this is going to be a big deal to watch and and, and tell us a lot about what the rest of the year is going to look like, especially for LSU. Well, Darren, all the LSU fans want to know who's going to be taking the snaps in this first game. What have you heard? Everything, even uh, there's a couple of like specific to LSU podcasts that I've listened to to just trying to get uh, a, a little bit of, of a, who could it possibly be? And the QB room is wide open. You know, Miles Brennan is a name that obviously is going to pop up because he's, he's been there. But the last interview I heard with Brian Kelly, he said they're not going to be naming a starting quarterback anytime soon. They want to let that competition develop throughout fall camp he would give absolutely no timetable. So it's going to be really interesting to watch that develop throughout fall camp. Yeah, and Darren, the two games that you're talking about here are very intriguing because there are so many unknowns. Um, You know, what's what's Georgia going to look like on the defensive side of the ball? How does Oregon respond with a new coach? How does LSU respond to a new coach? Florida State, Norville is, is on the hot seat down there trying to get that program back on, on track and a, and a signature win to start the season would help that. Yes. Um, so there, there, there are so many storylines in those first two games. And, you know, it's really funny to hear people talk about Georgia's defense. And, well, it doesn't look like they're going to be as good as they were last year. Well, you know, not to be mean or whatever, but duh. <laughs> it was a generational yeah. defense. That doesn't happen two years in a row. I mean, this – this defense this year could be one of the best defenses we've seen in the last 10 years. You know, one of the top five defenses we've seen in the last 10, 15 years still wouldn't be good as good as last year's Georgia mm-hmm. defense. So, But it is interesting to see what kind of hangover there is from having that incredible of a defense and if they do see some adversity. If do people do people start to kind of take the top off of their defense a little bit, get a couple of points? What does that look like? How do they react? Just like you said, one of the many storylines in these two games. Yeah, I'm interested to watch Stetson Bennett this this year because he yes. doesn't have that once in a generation defense behind him. Let Let's see what happens. Absolutely. So moving on to the next week, uh, this is one of the games that I picked on Saturday, September 10th. Alabama is traveling to Texas. Of course, Alabama coming off a national championship appearance. Um, another strong season uh, last year, 13-2, and 8-1 in the SEC, and what Nick Saban has called a rebuilding year. <laughs> is that not amazing? <laughs> the guy finds his own motivation. Yes, absolutely. But, but you know, when you look at their age across the board, like the amount of, of younger players they had in positions last year, you can almost see what he was talking about from an Alabama perspective, not from a real-world perspective, but from an Alabama perspective. Of course. Um, I think Alabama is on a mission. I don't think right now they like anything associated with the state of Texas, and we'll get into that in a little bit. But Texas last year, uh, a disappointing 5-7 and seven overall, 3-6 and six in the Big 12. Uh, that was, of course, Steve Sarkeesian's first year. Uh, he's made a splash in recruiting. Uh, the Texas brand seems to be strong in terms of attracting talent. But, boy, that's a tough one uh, on September 10th. I know that Austin will be rocking, but this Crimson Tide team could be better than last year's version. 
you, you said Austin will be rocking. Do you think that atmosphere intimidates Alabama at all, or does it fuel their fire? I think when you play in the SEC, no visitor stadium intimidates exactly. you. Yeah, agree completely. I mean, when you roll into Austin, yeah, that's an impressive place. But you're also used to going to Death Valley and Baton Rouge. You're also used to going to Kyle Field. You know, if you're Alabama, you go to Tennessee every year. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And, and no disrespect, but that's a world of difference. Uh, yes. And going to Lawrence, Kansas or Manhattan, mm-hmm. Kansas. or Absolutely. And probably even Stillwater. I, I mean, it's just it's a whole nother level. And yeah. so um, I think Alabama is not going to be phased at all. Uh, agree. Uh, I think it's going to be a big win for Alabama. I heard a who's it, Mike Braddock, that has the SEC podcast. Um, <laughs> it, it, this is jumping ahead to the poll, but he saw that Texas made it in the in the coaches' top twenty-five preseason, and he's like, they don't they don't belong in that poll anywhere. <laughs> Alabama's going to beat them by forty-five points. So we'll see it, if that holds true. It, it, you know what? I hate it for Steve Sarkeesian, but that wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. So that takes us to another game on that same Saturday, September 10th, that you believe is a can't-miss game, and that's Kentucky at Florida. And to me, one of the things that makes this can't-miss is exactly what we were talking about with the first two, in particular with you know Georgia, Oregon, and, and the uh, LSU-Florida State game, is there's so many stories that can be told throughout the process of the, process of the season coming out of this game. You know, there's a whole lot of hype around Kentucky this offseason and hype that Kentucky is not used to. I mean, the things that Mark Mark Stoops has been able to do with Kentucky is absolutely incredible. The kind of season they had last year, the strong finish they had, this is a game that even though this is a first year for Billy Napier Florida team, if you're Kentucky and you've got the preseason hype around you that you've had and you go to Gainesville – and beat Florida, that is a that's a ton of excitement. I mean, that's stratospheric. The the ramp up that will take place in, in Lexington if that happens. At the same time, the thing that makes this game even or, or really puts this peaks this my interest in this game is what we've seen Billy Billy Napier do here in Louisiana. You know, he went to Louisiana. And the the turnaround was almost instant from the last year, you know, that he wasn't there to his first year. You could see progress. There was already buzz about what he was doing with that program, the kind of recruiting year that he had had, that the way the offense looked, almost instant. I mean, the, the name Billy Napier was all over the place here in Louisiana. But if he can do that there, What's he going to be able to do at Florida? If I'm a Florida fan, makes this game scary and maybe takes a little bit of the intrigue from it. Is that program was in ugly shape? Not even a conversation about Dan Mullen. Don't even want to bring him up. But the the the, the state of disarray that that program was in. If they hit uh, some first week issues and they're playing Utah, which is going to be another good game to watch. If they hit some adversity in that first week. What does the next week practice look like? Are those old habits from that season of disarray going to sneak back in for the guys that were there for last season? So to me, that makes this game a game of great interest. And honestly, I think it could be a very exciting game, truthfully. I would be surprised if it's not. Uh, that's one of the reasons why it's on my list. But I think that could be a very, very exciting game. 
Yeah, a couple of questions uh, that, that stick out in my mind on this game is, first of all, what did Billy Napier get into at Florida? What is is this going to be a, a rebuild? How quickly mm-hmm. can he get th- things turned around? And secondly, the, I think you made an excellent point. Kentucky has pressure on them. They're, they're used yep. to flying under the radar. Um, mm-hmm. And they're used to, you know, they had, uh, you know, winning 10 games last year, was it? Right, or, exactly. Yeah, and, yeah. And, you know, is is that the bar for this program or can they reach the next level? And to reach the next level, they've got a senior experienced quarterback in Will Levis. They've yes. got to win a game, a big game on the road. Yes, exactly. And, and, you know, I think Will Levis is the key. What does he look like with expectation around him now? And, and you know, I think, that, like you said, that's the question for the whole program. Because as a Vanderbilt fan, you know, Kentucky is somebody that we very much identified with. You know, most of the time in, in Lexington, if you pull out six wins and get to a bowl game, you have an elated fan base. That is a that's a great year. And if you sneak up and beat Louisville and then have a have a big like SEC upset just every once in a while, sneak up on a Georgia, sneak up on a you know a Tennessee, something like that, that that makes a big deal. And now we're way beyond that. We're talking yeah. about double digit wins and that's the expectation. And Will Levis, to me, truthfully, has the weight of the world on his shoulders as far as the yeah. expectations that are on him this year. And how are they going to respond to that? Well, speaking about Vanderbilt, uh, their former coach, James Franklin, is uh, coaching the, the next game on our list, mm-hmm. which is Penn State at Auburn. Last year, Auburn went up to Penn State September 18th. Uh, Penn State pulled out a 28-20 to 20 win. Uh, but both schools uh, disappointing seasons. Penn State yep. finished seven and six. Auburn a horrendous six and seven, three and five in the SEC. New coach Brian Harson. There was an immense amount of drama surrounding him. Yes. Whether you like him or not, what we know now is some people spread some pretty vicious lies about him to try to discredit him and. And it was just a, an ugly, ugly scene at Auburn. But he's still on the hot seat because there's still people that want him gone. Can he turn that program uh, around? I mean, they lost to the Birmingham Bowl in, yep. uh, in uh, to Houston. So that wasn't a good way to end the season. But, <laughs> no. But so I, I see this game as James Franklin at Penn State has got to do better than seven and six. Yes. Uh, that was disappointing year. They have the resources up there. Uh, they should be better than seven and six. Auburn, can Harson is he actually going to be given a chance? Can he turn this around? Uh, a lot of people are, are pretty pretty down on Auburn going into mm-hmm. this season. And it, is the writing on the wall? Don't know. But definitely if, if Penn State, a team from the Big Ten, comes down to your home stadium and beats you, um, he, he might not last through the first half of the season. Yeah, that's definitely not a positive uh, if that were to happen. A real quick Brian Harson story that I heard this week. Uh, one of the things that apparently happened during the process of last season uh, that kind of started him out on the wrong foot is during preseason camp, the first day he met with the press, he handed out hats. And apparently that was taken as kind of this insult, like, don't we're press, don't give us hats. Well, I don't know all of that, but apparently that was the vibe around everything. So this year, to kind of make amends and lean into it and make fun of himself, 
when he went out to meet for the, with the press the first day of preseason uh, for camp, he gave them all a T-shirt that said, I went to Auburn football camp and all I got was this rotten T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> and it apparently went over really well. So he's yeah. trying. He's doing everything he can on and off the field to see to see if he can make it work at Auburn. Yeah, he, he made some missteps last oh, year, some definitely. things that he could have done much better. But some of the the stories, particularly the morality, um, it, it was just harmful, hurtful, yep. and, and hopefully we don't see that again. Hopefully that that part of it goes away. So let's let's go um, stay on September seventeenth because there's another game that day that you say, hey, you got to watch this, and that's Mississippi State going to Baton Rouge. And I am assuming when making this game one of the games I'm looking forward to that LSU is going to beat Florida State and, and be on a little bit of a roll coming coming into this week three game. Uh, and if that is the case, I think it will be an incredible environment in Baton Rouge because it's not a challenge to get the people in Baton Rouge excited and get Death Valley rocking on a Saturday night. Then when you bring in someone like Mississippi State, and, and part of what really gets my attention about this game is for uh, Mike Leach, Will Rogers, this is his third year as a quarterback in the Mike Leach system. And every, uh, no matter what school, whether it be Texas Tech, Washington State, State, any school that Mike Leach has been the head coach and offensive coordinator, if he has had a quarterback for three years, that team has won uh, double-digit games. And the quarterback has thrown for 5,000-plus yards and broken uh, touchdown records, uh, throwing touchdown records. So you take that and put that into Baton Rouge on a Saturday night in the middle of Death Valley with what most likely, I think, will be an LSU team on a little bit of a roll. That sounds like a really, really fun game to watch, and I'm excited about that. Yeah, it's always fun Saturday night. Absolutely. Death Valley. Absolutely. So let's move to October 8th. And this is a big one that uh, I'm convinced every Alabama football fan has circled on the calendar. <laughs> Texas A&M is coming to Tuscaloosa. And oh. in light of the off-season theatrics with the things that Jimbo Fisher said about Nick Saban and whatever feud that they have going on, uh, they say everything's fine now, but you know it's not. Uh, right. And A&M is coming off a disappointing season, 8-4 and four overall, 4-4 four and four in the SEC. Not what they're expecting from uh, Jimbo, but they did beat Alabama last year on October yes. 9th, 41-38. to 38. Now they're coming to Tuscaloosa. Alabama's going to be hungry after mm-hmm. losing A&M last year. I'm sure they have the comments that Jimbo Fisher made bulletin board material. You know, I'll tell you a funny story about this, Darren. We were down at um, Gulf Shores this summer. And of course, a lot of Alabama fans down there. And, and usually they're, they're very nice people. They, they, I'm usually wearing something that says LSU and <laughs> they say, y'all have the best food in the world. I think that's their olive branch. Exactly. And I say, well, I can't talk smack to y'all because you guys beat LSU more, far more than LSU beats Alabama. But I said, what are you thinking about 
So you got that game scheduled, uh, circled, and uh, you know A and M's coming to Tuscaloosa. And this guy was really nice. I was talking to. He actually had a bracelet on that said "Jesus loves me." And and at that moment, his whole demeanor changed, <laughs> and he began to respond. And he almost let some profanity slip. He caught himself, <laughs> but the emotion is raw. It's real. They are anxiously waiting for A&M to come to Tuscaloosa. It, it's going to be an epic scene. How crazy and how loud will that place be when Jimbo comes out of the tunnel? Mm-hmm. That that will be, I, I mean, that'll be one of those Richter scale moments, I would assume. It's going to have to be just crazy. Yeah, Bryant Denny is not normally listed among the top two or three loudest stadiums, but it mm-hmm. will be that day. Absolutely, it will. Absolutely. So another game that's happening that day that I'm very interested in, and I think everyone should should tune in, um, is Tennessee at LSU. I like Josh Heupel at Tennessee. I like the job that he's doing. Uh, last year, seven and six, four and four in the SEC. Not the best record, but it, I believe that was only his second year, wasn't it? Or first year, first year. So first he's going year. into his second year. Yeah. LSU coming off the train wreck season, six and seven, three and five in the SEC, um, unranked in the preseason poll, coaches poll for the first time since 2000 this season. Tennessee's going to have a high powered offense. I, I think, was it um, Greg McElroy that said their offense could be unstoppable? I'm, yes. I'm not sure I'd go that far. Right. Uh, but the Hooker kid's a great quarterback. Heupel's mm-hmm. a great offensive mind. Can those, those younger kids? experiencing Death Valley for the first time, can they weather that storm? LSU is definitely going to be better this year. That's going to be a fun game. I don't know if LSU can match them point for point, but boy, I'm looking forward to watching this. It's always an incredible atmosphere, uh, like we've talked about in Death Valley and Baton Rouge, no matter who comes into town. But there are certain teams when they roll into town, the crowd kind of steps it up a little bit. <laughs> and, and Tennessee is one of those teams. It is it is an extra level of, uh, let's say, raucous when, when Tennessee comes into Baton Rouge. Tennessee has the potential to really be on a, a decent role when they come, come into to Baton Rouge for that game. So that could be a, there could be a whole lot of hype going into that game because they'll be coming off of a bye week. And depending on how things go with a couple of games, they could, be, they could roll into their bye week 4-0. And then come out of that bye week and head to Baton Rouge. That could, there could be a lot of hype around that game, uh, and yeah. to, to amp it up even more. No doubt, no doubt about that. I can't miss games. So let's yeah. let's go on, and we're moving into the month of November now, where you have Ole Miss at Arkansas. And, and I, truthfully, I think I can be just almost as, as short and sweet as possible with this. Just based off of last year's game, I'm excited about this year's game Mm -hmm. between Arkansas and Ole Miss. Uh, They're both preseason ranked in the top 25. I think Ole Miss has a ton of questions around them. So that could be this late in the season going ahead and saying this, this is going to be an exciting game. That makes it a little scary for me just because there are so many questions. They lost so many people, and they did bring a lot into the transfer portal, but there's a lot of work to do to make that immediately effective. That's a little scary to me, but still, 
I think when these team, two teams come together, especially right now when you've got Lane Kiffin uh, and with his new offensive coordinator, Charlie Weiss Jr., and then you've got Kendall Bryles', Bryles offense, there has to be some excitement when, when the, all of those elements are on the field, and especially when you consider the history of last year's game. And we know that Sam Pittman is not going to play for a tie. That's exactly right. If it goes down to the to the final second, it will be for a win, or you go home big, big or go home. Right. <laughs> I loved his decision oh. last year. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. And, and just like we talked about, I would just about guarantee you. We talked about when it happened. If you sat down Sam Pittman in a room right now and said, "Would you do it differently?" His answer would be. No, I mean, I don't even think I don't think he'd even have to think about it. Nope, <laughs> I'd do it again today. Well, that leads to our final can't miss SEC game of the season, and that's also on November nineteenth with Georgia playing at Kentucky. And we've already talked a little bit about this. If Kentucky wants to get to the next level, they got to knock off the big dogs. No pun yes. intended. They're going to have Georgia at home, Kroger Field. Uh, you talk about the job Mark Stoops has done last year. I, I watched a few games, and it was so loud. And years, yeah. uh, it was just a few years ago, Kentucky wasn't even filling their stadium. And, right. Uh, but the, they, they're really behind the football program now, and Georgia's coming to town. That's going to be a fun atmosphere in Lexington. So before we go on and talking about our SEC preseason media poll and the coaches – top 25 poll let's pause for a moment for this week in sports history august 17th 1936 22 nations line up as the first basketball competition in the olympics game starts in berlin estonia played in the first game the game took place on an outdoor clay tennis court, which was converted into a basketball court. Estonia beat France 34-29. The United States would eventually win the gold, beating Canada in 1980. Oh, thank you. A couple of weeks ago, the SEC preseason media poll was released, but before we get into that... This past Sunday was Lee Corso's 87th birthday. And I think, Darren, we should at least mention that, acknowledge that, because you can't you can't think of college game day without thinking of Lee Corso. No, absolutely not. And it, it, you know, who doesn't, if you're a true college football fan, who doesn't get up and start their Saturday morning, uh, you know, with the game day crew? But you have to also acknowledge, no matter how great it is with ESPN and all the production, you know, especially in the early years, Lee Corso and picking the games and the mascot head, you know, that just all kind of created the persona. How do you not love that? You know, it's mm-hmm. it's still even at his his age, what you said, eighty seven, mm-hmm. and, yeah. and his health issues and everything. Man, he is still rocking it. He's still there on stage. He's still doing his thing, and he's still knows how to work a crowd. It's it's so much fun to watch. Yeah, he, he is. And, and and sometimes, based upon where they're at, I may not be interested in that game, so I'll switch over to the SEC Network and watch Absolutely. their preseason mm-hmm. uh, or their pre, uh, pre-game, um, their, their, their show. Um, is it SEC Nation? Is that what I it, think that one's something yeah. like that. I think that's right. But I'll always go back. I'll be watching the clock because I want to go mm-hmm. back. I want to see Corso's pick. It's so much fun yeah. to watch him do it. <laughs> so let's talk about this SEC preseason media poll. Uh, in the East, of course, Georgia dominating 172 first-place votes. 
Kentucky uh, picked second, Tennessee third, Florida fourth, South Carolina fifth, uh, Missouri sixth, and sorry, Darren, Vanderbilt seventh, but they did get one vote, one first place vote. <laughs> I would love to know who that was. <laughs> I want to know how you got voting privileges. <laughs> Well, if I had, that would have been the one. I'll tell you, no. <laughs> it is either you or JT. Yeah. Somehow y'all got that. I'll have to talk to JT and see if he had <laughs> got media credentials, because that would make sense. But I'm just thankful that when you said, of course, I didn't know if you were going to go with, of course, Georgia was number one, or of course, <laughs> Vanderbilt was number seven. So I appreciate you going to Georgia. Right? <laughs> yeah. Any thoughts on the, the, the East predictions? You know, it's really interesting to see how – You've got Georgia that is just far and away the number one. No one will ever dispute that. And, and I think they, I think they got it right. You know, Kentucky and Tennessee—that's really kind of interchangeable. And if you look at the, the total votes, I mean, it's three votes different of what got Kentucky into second place versus Tennessee in third. So I think that's a really close. It's going to be an interesting thing to watch all season long. And then, honestly, at, at Florida, South Carolina, Missouri, I think that's a toss-up. It, it, it depends on what Billy Napier's team looks like. South Carolina, Missouri, I think it's which one of them gets on a roll. Uh, and and I think they could both get on a roll, but obviously their paths are going to cross, and that will kind of make the difference there. But And then Vanderbilt won two games last year, and both of those against were against teams that were in the bottom 25 of the country. So <laughs> they're in number seven. Nobody can argue it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. The most intriguing is uh, Kentucky, Tennessee. Um, yeah, I agree completely. They, they could easily switch places yep. there. Yeah, um, very much interchangeable. So going out west, no surprise to anyone, Alabama picked to finish first with 177 first-place votes. Texas A&M second, Arkansas third, Ole Miss fourth, LSU fifth, Mississippi State sixth, and Auburn seventh. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just going to step out on a limb and say it. I, I'm not sold on A&M at two. I, I think Arkansas could easily sneak up and take that spot. And for me, personally, it wouldn't be a sneak. I, I, it would not surprise me because uh, there's been this ton of conversation about A&M and, you know, the greatest recruiting class ever in the history of, you know, recruiting rankings. And, all. and, and, it, and it was – one of several classes that Jimbo has stacked together. It's not the first time they've ever, you know, had a great recruiting class, but that's led to a lot of the preseason hype. They still are pretty unsure in the quarterback room. There's nothing that just stands out as incredible right now. And, and yes, it was the greatest recruiting class in the history of recruiting rankings, but they're still freshmen. They're still not a proven commodity at this point. So, so who knows what that's going to look like? Uh, it, it would not surprise me at all if Arkansas ends up at two. Uh, and you and I have talked about this off air. I, until he gives me a reason not to, I, I'm going to bang the Mike Leach drum. I think this could be the only thing that could throw their year off is the fact they have to play Georgia and Alabama both. But I think outside of that, that could really throw things off and derail their season. Outside of that, I think they could have a pretty incredible season and sneak a lot higher and end up in that top three, uh, maybe even three, maybe four, uh, and surprise some people with how their season looks. Yeah, I I definitely think Arkansas, you could make the case for Arkansas uh, being second place. Mm -hmm. Um, But then when you get 
four through six. I'm not really mm-hmm. sold on Auburn. Agree, um, agree. But Ole Miss, LSU, Mississippi State, those you don't know what order those teams yeah. are going to. They all three have question marks. Um, you mentioned youth. Um, you know, LSU is going to have a very young offensive line. Yeah, uh, that's going to be tough. Ole Miss is replacing um, Matt Corral, uh, yep. so. Uh, who knows that but that's why we watch because we don't yep. know absolutely uh, and, and i think truthfully the west that middle pack is is much jam much more jammed together th- than in the east uh, you know mm-hmm. i think I, I, there's really a, a jumbled you, you just kind of throw them up in the air and see where they land at, at this point in the year right right so let's move on uh and wrap up the show with uh, a little bit of discussion about the usa today preseason coaches poll Alabama, of course, won. Ohio State, two, which Ohio State's going to be a good, good team this year. Yep. Uh, Georgia, three. Clemson. We haven't heard much about Clemson, um, but they've got Clemson, Notre Dame, Michigan, four through six. Yeah. And, and Notre Dame, uh, oh, really? They're in the top five to start the season. We'll see. I, I've seen them as low in some of the other expert polls. I've seen them kind of toward the bottom of that top 10, but still in the top 10. I, I think Clemson has a, an opportunity to surprise people, you know, because their season started off rough with Georgia, but they ended the year with 10 wins. Mm-hmm. So, so you know, there's still some good things going on there. At this point, it, you know, like you said, you got Notre Dame, Michigan, uh, Texas A&M. Did you say them at seven? Yeah, A&M at seven, and, um, and, followed and then, by Utah and and Utah at eight is pretty interesting to me. Mm-hmm. I, I, it'll be interesting to see how that Florida-Utah game, what Utah looks like to start off the season. Because, man, that's a really high spot. As much as I buy into what they've done and have really enjoyed watching them, that's really, really high for them. Well, I, I think in the in this particular poll, there's some politics um, of course, behind the scenes because – you don't want to give too much to one conference where it just enhances that conference. So I do think there's some SEC bias. Coaches are trying to promote their own uh, conferences. But, mm-hmm. um, frankly, you know, talk to me about Notre Dame and Michigan when they beat somebody in a major bowl game, in the exactly. BCS playoff game. Michigan went, they got trounced. Notre Dame lost their bowl game to Oklahoma State. Well, let's not disparage the Cowboys. Come on. So, I mean, they're a de- decent program, but the SEC is not saying we want you. We want you. <laughs> right. That's exactly right. Um, a couple of other ones that I thought were just uh, really misplaced. Um, North Carolina State at 13. Yeah, Michigan State at 14. USC at 15? Based on what? Yeah, um, that's the – that. To me, that one blew my mind. I mean, that is literally Lincoln Riley is your coach. We buy in. Mm-hmm. You know, that's and, – and honestly, I think it's it's probably a lot of the Pac-12 programs, uh, that those coaches saying, who's our, who's our best shot? And, and, and so they're going to they're gonna throw those guys up there thinking that maybe other people might vote for them as well. I, I oh, think yeah. you're exactly right that that's exactly what went on. I mean, think you got you got Utah, you got Oregon, you got Southern mm-hmm. California. Mm-hmm. Um, um, uh, 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 two others that I think are just horrible picks: Texas at eighteen, yes. and Wake Forest at nineteen. Agree. And and I think Wake Forest has a chance to really have a great team on Wake Forest on a Wake Forest scale, but 
preseason 19, I don't get. And, you know, I'm going to be honest. You you, you said, uh, let's see, Texas at 18, Wake Forest at 19. I would throw Miami at 17 in there. Mm. I, I don't. I don't see what makes them a preseason 17, a preseason top 20 team. I, I don't get that one either at all. Yeah, who, who knows what happens behind the scenes. Um, I, I do think there tends to be an SEC bias, and coaches yeah. and other conferences are like, well, come on. We, but one thing that bothered me, and I'm sure Brian Kelly is going to use this to his advantage, mm-hmm. this is the first time since 2000 where LSU has not been in the preseason top 25. Now, they've had two horrible seasons. Right. Uh, Coach O, uh, he didn't do the program any favors these last two seasons. I understand (laughs) that. But when you look at their question marks and look at what Brian Kelly's been doing this offseason, how is an NC State? How is a Southern California? Mm -hmm. How is a Texas or a Wake Forest? How how can you put them – in that poll. That does not make sense to me. And and when you look at the way the votes shook out, not only did LSU not make the top 25, they barely cracked the top 30 and came in behind Iowa, Penn State, Tennessee, and BYU. Mm. I I don't understand any of those. And and I'm not an LSU homer. I mean, I live in the state. I enjoy watching their games, but I, I'm not by no means an LSU homer, and I, and I don't get any of that. That doesn't make any sense to me. They were barely better than Auburn, who came in at 31, according to the votes. Mm-hmm. I don't understand that. And they just hired in the offseason. Isn't Brian Kelly the winningest coach right now? It, well, he's the winningest coach, I think, in Notre Dame history. Notre Dame I don't, history. I don't, yeah, yeah, it was the winningest coach in Notre Dame history, which still, when you look at that history, it's a pretty impressive mark to attain no doubt but these discussions are part of the reason why college football is so much fun why we look forward to it every year it's been a long off season but it's here we're excited to get this going and hope that you are just as excited as us so I uh, want to remind you uh, how to contact us and get in touch because we want to hear from you. We want to hear yes. where did we get it right in your opinion? Where did we get it wrong in your opinion? Um, suggestions you may have for the show. And we may even invite you on to be a guest if yes. you know if, if you just have take such umbrage at something that we've said today, then come on, let's let's uh, we may have you on to talk about it. So Darren, Absolutely. will you remind everybody how to get in contact with us? Well, on Twitter, uh, we're at Brew and Shavers, uh, and then you can, of course, email, uh, email us at Shavers at gmail.com, but also on the show notes, what, no matter the, the, the podcast platform you listen on, uh, you can click on the show notes. Most of them will have just a couple of lines, and you can click on Show More, and you will see a link tree link, and when you click on that link, it will have a link for Twitter, have a link for Gmail, have a link to our blog. We'll be putting, throughout the season, we'll be putting our, our rankings of, of Big 12 and SEC uh, up on the blog. You can go on and, and sign in to that and, and comment on that there. Uh, and, and that link tree link will take you there when we get ready for our Pick'em that we'll do again this year, that link will go there as well. So that really is kind of a one-stop shop. You can get to us and uh, communicate with us or, or see anything that we're doing by clicking on that link in the show notes. Yeah, please reach out. We'd love to hear from yes. you. So, Absolutely. Darren, I think that's a wrap for our first episode of the second season. 
first episode of the second season and within 20 days of kickoff. What a beautiful, beautiful thing. <laughs> hey, remember, new episodes drop every Tuesday at 6 a.m. on your favorite podcast platform. You can listen anytime at your convenience. Please be sure to uh, to give us a rating. That really helps us to get the yes. word out about the podcast. And until next Tuesday, y'all take care. Have a great week. Thank you.